I'm Umbreen Khan, and this is Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. Earlier, I spoke with historian and scholar of world religions, Raza Aslan, about his new book, An American Martyr in Persia, the epic life and tragic death of Howard Baskerville. The biography details the first revolution in present-day Iran that limited the rule of the Shah back at the beginning of the 19th century, when it was known as the Persian Empire. It comes out at a time when Iran is experiencing what Aslan and others say looks like another revolution. One of the key hallmarks, an intersectional coalition fighting back. The revolution in 1906 worked because it had young, zealous revolutionaries, many of them educated, and it had the business interests and the pious masses that brought the Shah down in 1909 and helped the revolution that Baskerville died in succeed. It's the same coalition that sent the Shah into exile very briefly in 1953, but then, of course, the CIA put him right back on the throne. And it's the exact same coalition that brought the Shah down in 79 and transformed Iran into the Islamic Republic, unfortunately, replacing one tyranny for another tyranny. So lesson one, we have these young, zealous people who are willing to die for their most basic rights. What we now are starting to see is the business and merchant class joining this revolution. What makes 2022 so different from the three prior revolutions? Well, to many scholars, social media and its role in amplifying performances and messages of defiance. It is also decentralized. That is a point several scholars and experts of the region have been making, including Dr. Nahid Shamdost, an assistant professor of media and Middle East studies at the University of Texas, Austin. This is a leaderless movement. It's a networked movement. It's a movement that has arisen uh, from activity and activism and performances on social media. The reason I believe it's been so effective is because it's actually quite specific. It's very specific to the Iranian experience over the last 10 years or so. It's very specific of political events, of everyday mundane experiences that Iranians have had, reaching deep into Iranian culture as cutting hair um, is already represented as a symbolic act of grief. The presentation and the presence of Iran's Gen Z, this is a generation that has grown up entirely with social media that has grown up completely connected to the world, um, a, a generation that's come of age connected to the world and unwilling to submit to what they see as an ideology that masks corrupt functioning, that allows certain people connected to the top to live free lives, but those who are subjected to it to live very restricted lives. As the regime cracks down on protesters, killing, maiming, and detaining thousands. The urgency across borders to hold the regime accountable and inspire Iranians underscores how, unlike earlier revolutions, social media is offering a platform for transnational activism. Public actions of solidarity like Swedish Member of Parliament Abir al-Sahani cutting her hair while speaking in Parliament, broadcasting live, has gone viral. Until the women of Iran are free, we are going to stand with you. 
Gian, Gian, Azadi, women, life, freedom. With the peoples and the citizens of the EU, demand the unconditional and immediate stop of all the violence against the women and men in Iran. Until Iran is free, our fury will be bigger than the oppressors. Until the women of Iran are free, we are going to stand with you. Jian, Jian, Azadi, women, life, freedom. To Dr. Shamdost, the Women Life Freedom slogan is galvanizing because it speaks to a core experience and suffering unique within Iran, documented by this generation with a global audience. This movement, the Zan Zendegi Azadi movement, has been a very iconic movement. There's been lots of cultural production, you know, in terms of uh, videos, songs, poster art. And clothing. A few days after our conversation, I went to a protest that was taking place in New York City in Washington Square Park on Saturday afternoon, October 15th. I learned about it on Instagram. When I arrived, I found nearly 200 people gathered around the fountain. There was no stage and there were no speakers. I see you are holding a sign. What does your sign say? You tried to wound me, but I blow some instead. You tried to wound me, but I blossomed instead. Why is that the sign you're holding today? Actually, for me, because the uh, Islamic Republic tried to suppress all the women for 43 years. With all power, they tried to uh, put us in home and just, you know, and run work space. Right now, uh, all the women in the street in Iran trying to get their uh, all the rights back. And that means for 43 years, you tried to suppress us, but instead, all the wound that you, you know, put on us uh, turned into a blossom. And we just uh, here to show you what did you do to us? How long have you been in the United States? You are originally from Iran? Yeah. I'm here since 2016. And do you have family back home? Are you in touch with them? Yep, all of our family, but we are not in touch, unfortunately. They shut down the internet for almost a month now. Uh, We can just, you know, call and talk to our family, no internet connection. And uh, when it comes to religion, what role does that play for you? For me, it's something that we should keep for ourselves in our hearts. We don't need uh, the religion to be in power. And uh, that's why all the people are free to have whatever they believe to. As I moved through the crowd, I saw few reporters, lots of people, young and old. Most were not comfortable talking on the record, but not everyone refused. Thank you so much for talking to me. Please give me your first name. Sure. My first name is Dana. Islamic regime Dina asked that we not use her last name out of concern for her family. She's been attending protests for the last three weeks. Standing a few feet away, I find a family holding signs and wearing clothes with the slogan. You have this emblazoned on this T-shirt. Tell me why you're wearing it today. The t-shirt is from a young designer um, whose label is called Le Boss NYC. 
Um, wonderful, wonderful. And she decided to do this uh, for women to be able to show their support for what's happening in Iran. Nasli is attending the protest with her husband and two young sons, each holding handmade signs on cardboard. Her nine-year-old is really eager to share his thoughts. Um, like a um, big, like a, a huge Iranian protest for like the government. Because um, like the government is doing really bad things with Iran. Because they, like, they disabled their internet. They made it like a really bad law. And um, yeah, they're shooting grenades at everybody, which is also really not safe. How old are you, by the way? Nine. I just turned nine like two months ago. Like, this is only, like, the first time I've actually been to one of these protests. I've only seen one while going by Grand Army Plaza. I've seen these protests, and um, I've watched some videos, like, on, like, Instagram or something about, like, the, like, those, like, bad, really bad cops. Like The morality police? Is that what we're talking about? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nasli, tell me a little bit about your connection to the region or just in solidarity of the issue or all of the above. Um, All of the above. I'm from Iran. I was born in Tehran. Uh, I moved to this country in 1982, exactly 40 years ago. We left because of the revolution. Um, And for 40 years, we've been hoping to see change. Uh, And every time something happens, I think in America, we've been cynical and scared. I don't wish, uh, you know, there's so much guilt associated with being here. Um, We're the ones who got to leave and those who stayed behind have dealt with this regime for 40 years um, and with living a hopeless life, a truly hopeless life, especially the women, obviously the women, um, but so many groups, minorities, LGBTQ folks. Tell me about that song we just heard. I see a man crying behind me. He's overwhelmed with tears. It's an incredible song. It was a young 22-year-old songwriter, and he basically said, why are you out protesting? Badaya is for, for whom? And everybody sort of tweeted, I'm doing it for myself, for my sisters, for your sister. And he c- took all those tweets and made it into the song that's become this incredible worldwide anthem in support of the women of Iran. But also, it's a global movement. The crowd is overwhelmingly attended by people who seem to have a connection to the region. There are some caring signs about women's rights in Farsi, but I also see signs referencing the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I asked Nasli whether the messages at the protest were about women's rights just in Iran or in general. I don't think any of us should be smug in America. We're losing our rights here, too. So it is partially because, mostly because I'm Iranian, I'm here. But as an American, too, I stand in solidarity with women fighting for their rights. Nasli doesn't cover her hair or wear hijab. She talked about religion openly. And like Dina, many of the men and women I spoke to don't want a compulsory ban on hijab, nor do they want a compulsory mandate to wear hijab. Religion is what's been co-opted by the Iranian government in order to justify the raping of our country um, and the women in it and all the peoples in it. Uh, It has nothing to do with Islam. If you told everyone they could take off their hijabs tomorrow in Iran, a lot of women would do it. A lot of them wouldn't. It's the aspect of being controlling women's bodies and saying that you have to, the compulsory nature of the hijab rules. But Nasli is quick to point out something I've heard from others. The challenge of condemning the morality police and the compulsory hijab laws without feeding stereotypes. Um, I, I think the scary part in America is using this as an excuse for Islamophobia, which I think Americans are always looking for, some Americans, I don't want to be generalist here, but religion has nothing to do with this. Iran is a country full of Muslims, Jews, Christians, Armenian Christians. It has always been diverse. It is a majority Shiite country, but 
the religion has no place in our government and again religion has no place in secular life in Iran. Um, most Iranians are secular. I would argue 80% of Iranians are secular Iranians and they treat Islam with respect. It is their religion, but it has it should have nothing to do with laws under which they live. Like Dina, Nasli has a lot of family members back in Iran, and she, like others, is concerned about their safety and their isolation. We're not in touch with our family. I'm scared to call them. It's terrifying. I'm happy. I want them to be out in the street protesting, but this is, it's not like this. They're risking their lives. In this place, in this world, at this time, um, I feel incredibly safe. And that's a privilege that, that uh, I don't take for granted these days. That's all for this week's show. If you missed any part, you can stream it online at interfaithradio.org. While you're there, you can also learn about us, read the show notes, sign up for our newsletter, and explore the archives. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or really the podcaster of your choice. Just search Interfaith Voices. And while you're there, help us out. Leave a rating and a review. It helps others find us. A special thanks to MC Yogi for our theme music, additional music by Blue Dot Sessions, and a special thanks to our founder, Maureen Fiedler. This week's episode was produced by Kevin McCarthy. Inspired is a production of Interfaith Voices. We're a nonprofit, and we rely on the generous support of our listeners to bring you this show. I'm your host and executive producer, Umbreen Khan. Remember to stay safe, stay well, and stay connected. I'll see you next week. <laughs>